right, today we're going to talk about lessons on the lake. Although after seeing the video, maybe it should have been soggy disciples or something like that. Uh, there is an outline in the bulletin for you to fill in some blanks. And if you hear me say something you feel is from the Lord, you can write it down. And if I say something and the Lord speaks something to you, write that down too. So that you can have a record of what we've discussed today. So today, I'm going to talk to you first about the principles of harmonization of the gospel. you got four gospels that sometimes tell the same stories. So we go in, in there and we harmonize them, not to show that one is wrong and one is right, but to see the same story from different perspectives. So today, in your, in your notes, you'll see that I have listed scriptures from Matthew and Mark and John. Now, if you're old school, you can stick your finger in all three passages and flip back and forth, but... I'm going to ask you to go to the book that uh, Village Bible has been focusing on and to the Gospel of John chapter 6 and verse 16. And we're going to work on applying the story to ourselves, to, so to speak, to put ourselves in the boat with the disciples and to kind of go through what they were going through. So I've got five things, six things that actually came out of the text. First one is to go where he sends you. Verse 16, when evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake. Matthew, however, tells us something that John didn't. It says that Jesus made them get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He told them to get in. Verse 17, they got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. And Matthew then tells us that Jesus dismissed the crowds. Remember the 5,000 men plus others who were there? He dismissed them, and then Jesus went up the mountain to pray alone. So Jesus sent them on this trip without him. So the point is, go where he sends you. Now, you may not be called to go cross a lake, but I got to thinking about how do you apply this to yourself, ourselves. You might be called to go to your fence and meet your neighbor and get to know them and invite them to church. You may be called to go to the other side of town to volunteer for something and have your input into the community. You may be called to go across the auditorium and meet someone who is new and give them a warm welcome. You may be called to go into your checkbook and start giving to the Lord's work or give to a special cause. You may be called to go to a counselor and let them help you deal with a feeling that you buried. You may be called to go to your family table to mend a relationship. You know, the Lord's always got stuff for us to do. So this idea of going across the lake, how do we apply that? I, I look at that and, and I ask, what kind of assignment is Jesus giving you? And where do you find yourself resisting getting in the boat? Where do you find yourself arguing with God about his assignment? Well, here's your exhortation today. Just go and get in the boat. Whatever she, God is telling you to do, do it. Now, I have great admiration for those who go and the most important place the Bible says go is in the Great Commission, where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And when I think of that, I think of an example, uh, some missionary friends of my wife Kathy and me, the Mann family. They had felt that God was calling them to be missionaries to unreached Muslims. So they worked, they studied, they prayed, they got ready, and they went to Morocco a somewhat restricted Muslim country where there are very little, very few Christians. And in order to be able to be there, they had to have a bivocation. So they started a, a therapy uh, business where they were given therapy to handicapped children. And in that culture and in the Muslim culture, uh, 
handicapped children are very much rejected, and they really had embedded themselves there and were doing a good job, but they got expelled from Morocco for preaching the gospel. So what do you do? They still felt called to go, so they went to another restricted Muslim country, and now they're on an island off the coast of this country. Codename is Liberty, so you can guess where that uh, country is. You think, why would someone want to get in there? Because because they felt God called them to go and preach the gospel to the unreached Muslims. And their bivocation this time is they're working with a deaf um, sign language app, a phone app, and they're making a lot of progress through that. And it's been very difficult. They've lost a lot of teammates, uh, just not to death, but have fallen out because the work is so hard. They knew it would be hard when they went, but they felt called to go, expecting it to be difficult. But what if, where God calls you to go, you're not expecting the difficulties? What if those difficulties are unanticipated? Well, in that case, number two, you should accept any unanticipated turbulence. So the gospel frames up this boat trip. I almost slipped and tried to name this a three-hour tour like Gilligan, but it didn't work. But (laughs) I'm going to give you a map, and this is going to be really hard because I'm going to have to try to do this backwards. Um, so the Sea of Galilee is kind of like this, and the goat, boat goat trip, the boat trip um, was on the northeast from the northeast side of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee and Bethesda, Beth, Bethsaida to the northwest part of Capernaum. I've got it backwards. Your map would be this way, from the northeast to the northwest, and on on uh, this side. Of the, of the Sea of Galilee where they're going is a 2,000-foot mountain range. And what happens is the cold air builds up on the mountain range and comes down and clashes with the warm air and causes storms on the Sea of Galilee, Some, oftentimes very unexpectedly. Now, several of these disciples were fishermen, Peter, James, and John, and they knew that lake and they knew those dynamics. And I have to believe that if they knew that a storm was coming, they would have refused to get in the boat. But apparently they didn't know. Verse 17, by now... It was dark. Matthew says it was the fourth watch of the night, which is 3 to 6 a.m. And Jesus had not yet joined them, and a strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. Now, Mark tells us that Jesus was on the mountain praying miles away through the uh, darkness. It doesn't say that there was rain. There might have been rain, but it was certainly wind. And Jesus saw them. I think that's miraculous that Jesus saw them from a distance and knew what they were going through. And he saw that they were making painful headway into the wind. The wind was against it. And Matthew adds that they were being, the boat was being beaten by the waves. It was a good one. So I have to ask, why did Jesus send them into the storm? Did he send them knowing that the winds would kick up? And if Jesus stopped the wind... Did he start it? Are you sure? Did he want to scare them? Because if he did, he succeeded. I've got three daughters whom I love dearly. One of them uh, hadn't gotten her driver's license, and I was working with her to get her driver's license, and she felt like she was ready to take the test, and I didn't. I said, okay, I'll take you to get the test. She flunked. It was a little bit snowy out. She slid a little bit through a stop sign, and that's an automatic fail on your driver's test. 
And she also, when she was backing out of the alley, didn't come to a full stop when crossing the sidewalk. So she failed. And on the way home, she's kind of licking her wounds. She said, Dad, did you think I was going to pass? I said, nope. She said, then why did you let me go? I said, because you needed to know that you could fail. And the next time she was motivated, we went and practiced that route, and she studied, and she practiced, and she passed very easily. Maybe this is part of the lesson plan that Jesus had for them, putting them into the boat, is to show that they had issues with faith and trust in him. Maybe that's why Jesus told them to get in the boat. We don't know that for sure, but it's not unusual for Jesus to work that way. Lessons of faith and trust, unanticipated turbulence. Well, let's talk about something more recent. How about the COVID pandemic? It certainly was unwanted, unwelcomed, and unanticipated turbulence. So how have you done with the COVID pandemic? Have you been grouchy? Ask the person next to you, have I been grouchy? Now, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about attitude, but I'm not talking about mental health. It's been hard on everybody. It's been taxing. It's been stressful. But have you whined and complained your way through the whole thing? Oh, why me? Why now? Why so hard? Why is everyone else so stupid? <laughs> or like me, did you get a sense that Jesus was trying to teach me something? That Jesus was trying to teach the church something? That Jesus was trying to teach this country and this world something about their need for him? You know, these unanticipated problems, are they part of God's plan? Well, we don't always have the wisdom to know if God causes them, but this we know. God makes this stuff part of his plan. He is that sovereign. He uses our struggle. He incorporates them to draw us close to him and to purify our souls. So it makes no difference. If God planned them, we may never know that, but what we need to do is accept it and keep rowing. Next, we need to expect God to show up. So verse 19 of, Mark, of John 6, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. And he said, it is I, do not be afraid. We're going to return to the fear factor in just a little bit here. Now Matthew implies that Jesus promised to meet them on the other side of the lake, but first he allowed his disciples to struggle. And not just a little. They had been rowing three or four miles, and now they're rowing into the wind. Any of you who've gone rowing into the wind, a strong wind, you know how difficult that is. And how long? Well, somewhere around sunset when they left to the fourth watch of the morning, 3 to 6 a.m. They could have been out there for eight hours rowing, and Jesus let them do that. I'm sure they felt like they were alone, and we all fight this, don't we? The feeling that sometimes we're alone and like God has forgotten us, like God is saying, hey, just work it out and come to church next Sunday. Make sure to bring your offering. That We kind of feel like that's the way God is treating us. But then the Holy Spirit pulls up those scriptures that you've worked on and memorized where Jesus, where God said, I will never leave you or forsake you where Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter 
to be with you, where Jesus said in the Great Commission, go and make disciples, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. And we remember these things, and we build courage and strength. So when you're struggling with something in your life and someone says to you, hey, how are you doing with this? It's okay to say to them, well, it's hard and I'm struggling. But what you need to say is, but I'm expecting God to show up at any time. I'm waiting and I'm expecting. And then Jesus shows up. How does he do that? Well, in the kindness of a friend, in the wisdom of a sermon, in your daily Bible study, in your devotional book, in the peace that passes understanding, in the words of the Spirit within, and more often than not, in your prayer closet, you're going to find that God shows up and comes and gets you through that storm. I'm going to share a story about my mother with her permission. My mother is a godly woman, and uh, we actually live with her now. Uh, actually, we bought her house, so she lives with us now. So, Anyway... She was a godly woman, and about 20 years ago, she was struggling with cancer. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she went through a, a smaller lumpectomy surgery, and they were monitoring it, and uh, they weren't really sure that things had gone right, so they went back in to take another sample, and uh, she was waiting to see if the cancer had returned. Her and my dad were on a spiritual treat with adults from their church group, and Mom said she was kind of overwhelmed with it, so she went back to the dorm room and was sitting cross-legged on her bunk there and just started praying about it. And she said suddenly just the peace of the Lord came over her, and she just felt like God was saying, it doesn't make any difference what the results are. I'm going to take care of you. Well, she went to the doctor, and the doctor said to her, I'm sorry to tell you this, the cancer's back. And he looked at her and he said, you didn't react. Why didn't you react? She says, well, because I prayed. I prayed about it, and I felt the Lord say to me, it doesn't make any difference what the results are. I'm going to take care of you. You can expect God to show up in his time and in his way because he's faithful. He never tells us his timetable. never tells us the form of the help. But if you're struggling with something, just like Jesus showed up on the lake, you can be assured that he will show up at the right time with the right help. Number four, you need to allow him to expose your fears. Now, Mark describes Jesus walking on the water, and it says he meant to pass them by. And I love this. Why did Jesus intend to walk by their boat? Did he intend to scare them? Well, I don't know if he intended, but he did. Matthew uses the word terrified, and the disciples said in Matthew, it's a ghost! Ah! Well, the ah part really isn't in the Bible. If you read in the footnotes, though, you can write it in there. They said it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. You know what's amazing about this? Is just a few hours earlier, they were serving the 5,000 men plus their accompaniment, uh, those who accompanied them, 15, 20,000 people. We don't know. They were serving it with food that Jesus, the co-creator of the universe, created right in front of them just a few hours before that. And in a few hours, they went from faith to fear. That's what's amazing about that. What do you fear the most? This is a good small group discussion question, isn't it? 
What do you fear the most? A lot of people fear the loss of family, the loss of health, the loss of safety, the loss of finances. People fear rejection. People fear getting old. People fear death. And I got to tell you right now, people in our society are capitalizing on fear. You turn on the news, that's on the TV, by the way. You turn on the news, and there's fear everywhere. Naturally, there's a fear of COVID, which is nothing to, to uh, take lightly. But there's also the contrived fears that have been thrown into the pandemic. Depending if you're on the left or the right, there's a fear of rioters or the fear of supremacists. There's a fear of inflation, the fear of taxation, the fear of school issues. And I'm not saying those are illegitimate fears. But as Christians, we have to understand that Jesus wants to use these fears from these fear mongers to expose our fears. Why? So that our faith can be strengthened. Any of you remember Psalm 23? Not too many people. Let's take a step backward. Any of you remember the Bible? <laughs> Psalm 23. I want you to think King James. If you grew up in the church like I did, you have to, whenever you start thinking scriptures, you think King James Version. Yea, though I walk... I will. Why? Wow. I'm not going to fear because you're with me, Lord. And you know what? If you don't let Jesus expose your fears, if you hide from your fears, you will never have the joy of knowing that the Lord is your shepherd and he's with you, especially in the dark valleys. You got to let Jesus get in there and expose your fears. If you studied this week's small group lesson, uh, it talked about how a sub-story about Jesus walking on the water is recorded by Matthew alone. In Matthew uh, 14, verse 28, right after Jesus said, It is I, uh, don't be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was, look at that word, afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? See, here's the, the issue is fear creeps in where faith is weak. Fear creeps in where faith is weak. And I'm not saying that all fears are illegitimate fears. Some are legitimate. But in the end, there's only one of two things that can prevail. Fear or faith. They are mutually exclusive. You can't end up dwelling on both. Fear or faith. So there's a conflict between fear and faith. And even in this passage about Peter walking on the water, both words are in there. He was afraid, and Jesus said, Oh, you have little faith. And you need to let Jesus come in and expose your fears. And when he gets done with you, number five, you need to reaffirm your faith. Reaffirm your faith, verse 21. Then, after all this happened, they were willing to take Jesus into the boat. Matthew says when Jesus got in the boat, the winds stopped. They ceased. And Matthew also says that they worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. They worshipped him. And immediately, back in 
the book of John, verse 21, immediately, this seems miraculous, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. It said they had rowed three or four miles and estimate of how far it was, maybe 10 miles across the lake. I don't know if the math is precise, but immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And with that, the lesson on the lake was over. Now, the purpose of the book of John, as you read in the 20th chapter, John says, these things are written that you may believe. These deeds of Jesus that couldn't all fit in the book are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the purpose of the book of John is to believe in Jesus, to have an eternal, eternal life, and that comes in large part through looking at the stories and the miracles of Jesus, focusing on the miracles. And if you look at the miracles just in this um, section alone, first of all, coming off the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 from just five loaves and two fish, Jesus saw them from the mountain. That was miraculous. He walked on water, and then he got Peter to walk on water. That was miraculous. The wind ceased. That was from God, and immediately they arrived where they were going. Were they teleported? I don't know. Am I misunderstanding immediately? I don't know, but Jesus can do anything he wants to. And the net result of the struggles are, uh, the struggles and their fright, was they worshiped him. Friends, as a Christian, your storm is not really over until you praise the Lord. You cannot get over a storm in your life until you fall at your knees and declare Jesus to be the Son of God. And if you fail to praise Him, then bitterness rushes in and your heart gets hard. And when we praised the Lord earlier today, I gotta tell you that I needed that and a lot of you needed that, and some of you need that because it's been a really rough week. And you've had some doubts about God. You've had some fear rise, maybe a little bitterness, and you needed to come here and to say, Jesus is Lord, and God is good, and God is faithful. You needed that today. And after every storm in your life, you've got to wrap it up this way. You've got to reaffirm your faith in Him, or the storm will never get out of your soul. Lastly, I'm going to share with you something that is only in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 6, verse 51. We need to let Jesus soften our hearts. Mark 6, verse 51, when, they, when Jesus got in the boat, when all this happened, the disciples were utterly astounded, utterly astounded. And then it explains why, for they had not understood about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. They were astounded. Why should they be surprised that this Son of God, who already showed the power over nature so many times and just hours before in the feeding of the 5,000, why would they be astounded that Jesus could walk on water and calm the sea? They didn't understand it. They didn't comprehend it. What did they not comprehend? I'm not sure. But they just didn't get it yet. And is it possible that while they're struggling on the sea, scared of Jesus thinking he's a ghost, that there's a basket of bread sitting in the boat with them left over from the feeding of the 5,000? How many baskets they full, baskets full did they pick up? Anyone remember? Twelve. 
It would be like Jesus and the disciples to distribute that among the people, say, take it back to your village, feed some people. Maybe they, had, maybe they had a basket of bread in the boat, and they were astounded that Jesus could do those things. It amazes me because they were the chosen of God. They had already been sent to evangelize. The reason there is such a big crowd for the feeding of the 5,000 is Jesus sent out the disciples two by two to preach the good news in the countryside. And that's why all these people flocked to Jesus, necessitating the feeding of the 5,000. They were already sent to evangelize, yet their hearts were still hard. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. And friends, I have to throw myself into this. I spent years as a pastor, and there were times when I, I had to recognize and still do that. My heart's hard in certain places. There are teachings of God and directions of God that I don't always want to hear and understand. And I think about the disciples. Here they are. They've abandoned everything to follow Jesus. Yet, here we, here's the places where you could see their hearts were hard. When Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die, they said, oh no, Lord, that's not going to happen. They argued with him about his death. They argued with each other about who was going to be first in the kingdom of heaven. When children wanted to come to Jesus, they prevented them from coming to Jesus. When Jesus said, there's a betrayer among you, he de they denied it. And when Jesus was arrested, they all gave way to fear and ran away. And their fear was exposed. But after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, they were never again known for fear. They were known for boldness. But for now, their hearts were hardened. And I have to put myself into that because the Bible tells us, the book of John tells us that Jesus came to shine the light in the darkness. It says the light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not stand the light. And while I, we would all agree that this world is a sin-darkened place, we've got to realize that we're part of that world. And even though uh, Romans uh, 8 tells us that the condemnation of sin has gone from our lives, Romans 7 tells us that the presence of sin is still there. So the light of Jesus is shining in and he's exposing the dark corners of our lives. Every time you spend time with Jesus, his light exposes darkness within. And with each Bible story, each sermon, each Bible study, Jesus is softening our hearts. And we need that. We need that all the time. Now, you might be in a storm right now. You might be struggling to trust in God. You might be gripped with fear about something. You might be resisting God. You might be hanging on to a sinful habit that needs to go. Let me, let me get even more personal. You might be struggling with your family gathering this Thursday because of hard feelings for people who aren't there by their choice or your choice, planning how to avoid your relatives by when you arrive and leave. And even right now as I'm speaking, Jesus is softening your heart about the way you feel about your relatives, that he wants you to show them his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. He wants you to be a, someone who's involved in the ministry of reconciliation. And no matter what it is, we need to let Jesus soften our hearts. So we put ourselves in the boat with the disciples, and I encourage you to say, that's them, not me. I encourage you to say, well, I am them i'm in the boat too so here's my encouragements to you today go where he sends you accept that unexpected turbulence expect jesus to show up and allow him to expose your fears so that you can reaffirm your faith and in the process rejoice that jesus hasn't given up on you and he's working to soften your heart 
every day. 